0: In the following live session recording, Dwayne McCrary, team leader with Lifeway Christian Resources, talks about saddle up our posture. Our posture or attitude is important when leading a Bible study group. And during this session, we will discover three postures every Sunday school leader should carry. Let's join Dwayne now.
1: The perfect teacher, Sunday school teacher, the perfect teacher. I want you to think about the characteristics of that person, okay? The characteristics of that person. Um, if, you're, if you have the, stand, the saddle up book, excuse me, the saddle up book, this is about, we're looking at some things in chapter 2. In the first uh, uh, conference today, we looked at part of chapter 1. We didn't look at everything in chapter 1, there's other stuff to do there, other things to think about we will look at most of chapter two in this conference we'll interact with the content there Um, so let's think about that the perfect teacher what characteristics should they have Um, what are you looking for in that person i want you to talk to in pairs for that conversation and three can be a pair Okay, so three can be a pair, so the characteristics, things you would look for, these are the characteristics of the perfect teacher for Bible study group. Okay, on, my, on the board up here, I have the gingerbread teacher. Okay? And gingerbread, you got to put the right ingredients in it to get gingerbread. Like if you don't put ginger in it, you're not getting gingerbread, okay? Or you put too much of something, it creates another problem for you. So we're going to try to identify the ingredients of our gingerbread teacher. And let's say, here's this characteristic, think of what part of the gingerbread teacher that characteristic might represent, okay? okay so give me one and think of where I would identify that on our gingerbread teacher humble heart heart okay mm-hmm. so humble
2: dependable
1: where am I gonna put that I'd say one, one of
2: the legs.
1: Dependable. Mm-hmm.
2: good communicator the mouth
3: works well with others.
1: Okay. What part?
4: Um, one of the lamps. Like this one? That'll be fine.
2: Good listener.
1: Yes. Uh, which part?
2: Uh, here, <laughs> here, here, here with piece tape over the mouth. Yeah. As <laughs> well, people
5: are
2: okay. <coughs> we said a good follower,
1: the
2: other limb.
1: How about just a foot right there? A foot? Yeah. yeah. Oops, okay, we'll give him Committed. Okay, we're going to put committed.
2: That's another one we'll deal with your heart. Mm hmm.
4: Well, it could be hard in here.
2: Yeah, I I yeah. Mm-hmm. you're right. hard uh, We're gonna put energetic.
4: Just draw Study guide's word
2: daily would be up there for the brain.
1: I'm just gonna put studious. Yes. You know, now we still don't know where we're gonna put energetic. With Other foot. <laughs>
2: Red discipline.
4: Maybe we should be doing a gingerbread spider.
2: A patient.
4: Do what now? <laughs> gingerbread spider. We're doing a gingerbread spider. Oh, well, yeah. that's true. A, patient. a patient. We got what now?
2: Patience. Patient. A heart that goes.
0: That is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: your
1: heart, your, Patient, your mind, patience, or your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh. Are you I am gonna I will do that I it's it's a I an attribute of I control see one of the fruits
2: of the spirit okay well I have one and I think it would encompass the whole body because I was trying to explain what I wanted to say but it's like when I'm teaching the students I'm not I am not just teaching students I'm teaching myself so Mm -hmm. I'm involving myself as well so I would think
4: you could you put, know. you could kind of combine that with listener and follower and a couple others there probably.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think out a word there. Well, teachable. I'm glad you can do it. I
2: couldn't do it, you know, in <laughs> just one word.
1: <laughs> what you're really talking about is the dynamics of teaching. Let me tell you what i'm talking about there yeah. this is our icing yeah. uh, really this is an awareness of this yeah. Yeah. okay mm-hmm. uh it's not just the dynamics being present but you being aware of that that dynamic um, you've studied here's the where here's the dynamic you've studied God's placed something very specific on your heart from that passage. And you're ready to teach that passage with the intent of them getting what you have been impressed with as well. okay? So God's been working in your life to impress that truth from that passage on you, although there's multiple truths within that passage. okay? Moses is called. He's reluctant, you have the name of God in there. How does the name of God deal with his reluctance? Does it, how does that give him confidence? How does knowing somebody's name impact how you relate to them? There's all kinds of issues with that. Okay, um, Where was his confidence in to begin with? Um, why did he say no multiple times? When God answered every... You know, So you could pick one truth out of that. God always meets us at our need... Um, God is personal therefore we can worship him because he's personal God reveals himself to us as a personal God therefore we can have confidence I mean there's a lot of truths you could pick okay so this one is the one that stands out to you you come into the group ready to do that now to get to it though you go through some other go through the whole story alright and you're waiting to get to this part of the story but in the middle of that who's going to let me pick on them pick on me Ah. <coughs> uh, patch. Yes, sir. In the middle of that, all of a sudden, Patch says, Hey, hey uh, Dwayne, have you ever noticed how many times the word I am appears throughout Scripture? Well, I'm not, that's not what I want to talk about. But for whatever reason, that hits Patch while we're trying to get to what I want to talk about. Is it less valid of an insight at that point? Because the Holy Spirit's working in Him on that issue? Because now the, the idea of the name is important and, and the, the phrase I am is a word that also is used by somebody named Jesus so God using that and then Jesus using that affirms his deity okay so now what you have in the conversation in that group is thinking about how Christ is also present in the call of Moses what's the burning bush well that's God's presence well how is the Holy Spirit characterized in Scripture? Mm-hmm. So maybe you have actually the Trinity present in the call of Moses. Mm-hmm. Because Moses is going to be a deliverer who's a type of Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's where we all of a sudden camp out. And that, that means something to you, but I am still want to get to this point because that's what I've been thinking about all week long, and God has hit me in the face with it multiple times. Same passage, but we're dealing with this at different levels. What's going on with Patch and I is also going on with everybody else in the group. But I can't predict what's happening. But those dynamics, there's this triad that's happening. There's, there's me, there's the person, and then there's the Holy Spirit at work in the triad. And that's going on as a group. This is the dynamic and awareness of it. This is really going to blow your mind at this point. Especially after. What time is it? Because that thing's <laughs> wrong. So, it's 7 30. And was there coffee at supper? Yeah. yeah. There you go. So this is really going to go. So you have that going on as a group where I'm communicating. As a group, we're conversing. And the Holy Spirit's working in that group dynamic but it's also happening on an individual level. Where I'm conversing, you're conversing with me as an individual, with the Holy Spirit working in your life in a different way than it is in the rest of the group, but that's also happening to me as I'm communicating with you. You follow that?
0: Meaning you say each of our individual
1: needs. Yes. And you don't control it, but you do at the same time. Do you follow? Because you're, you're one-third of the voice. That's an awareness of the dynamics of teaching taking place. That, that get to that? that get I to didn't that realize
2: idea. it was all that.
1: But that's what's happening. But yeah. That's what's happening. Um, which, one of the key things in that for me is um, I am very comfortable knowing that it's not just me and you. Okay? If I prepared if I've done what I needed to do and, pay, and then walk into that group paying attention to what the Holy Spirit's t- prompted me during that time, mm-hmm. number one, I'm going to be prepared for that and we'll go down that path because I've studied it too. So he's prepared me for that, um, but it's not me by myself. Now that's important. Okay? That's important because um, we're not alone. And I don't mean that in the sense there's extraterrestrials. <laughs> okay. What I mean that is when we're standing there presenting God's Word, the Holy Spirit is standing there alongside us and He is having conversation with... and He may even be taking the words that we're using and translating them in a different way to you so that it means to you what He wants you to understand it to mean and I may not be saying those words and then you say, you know, that's like... And I'm thinking, where on earth did that come from? well it wasn't me speaking at that point it was the Holy Spirit who was doing the talking and that's what you heard me say how's that for blowing your mind
5: mm-hmm.
1: no. oh. now and I'll get to this Let me before I forget Romans you have this passage about groanings the Holy Spirit groans for us and we pray and the image and I can't remember the passage off hand I just got through studying this too uh, I'm reading through it because we're uh, just so you know where we are production-wise, um, the the spring, exp- uh, lifeway material is going to the printer today. Okay, so we just finished the Roman study and the personal study guide. The third there's five of them because I deal with Explore the Bible. The third one is at the printer right now. Romans eight
0: twenty-six. Romans eight twenty-six. It said, read it to him for us. It says, okay. likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So here's the idea. We're praying. Let's say, Lord,
1: please, please heal this person. And while we're saying it, the Holy Spirit's saying, now God, what He really meant was bring glory and honor to Yourself by whatever You do in this situation. Now, He doesn't know that's what He's saying, but that's what He really meant to say. (laughs) That's what that passage kind of implies. Or you get to the point, like, I just don't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit steps in and says, God, I know he just said he doesn't know what to do. That's because I haven't shown him that yet. We'll show him. Don't worry about it. It'll be When it's time, he'll know. So what he's really praying for is not that I don't know what to do. He really needs the courage to take this step. And he'll find that step out tomorrow. But he just doesn't know that yet within that same dynamic you have that that's within the scope of prayer which understand once I begin to realize that it changed how I pray I don't have to get if I can I just try to express it how I know and I know that by expressing it the Holy Spirit's going to take it and make it right with the Father and then He will let me know what that is in time if I don't know what it is or He may not tell me till I get there and I've got to be okay with that. So, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Okay, well don't worry about it. Holy Spirit's got you covered. Amen. So, let him. God, I don't know what to say here. I know I said this to Matthew yesterday, but I'm just telling you. He'll know tomorrow. Okay? <laughs> um, but don't, be, don't be impatient with it. But the same thing happens when we teach. There are times when we're trying to say something, we may not quite communicate it, and then all of a sudden somebody gets it, and we go, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. But I didn't say that. (laughs) I couldn't say it that clearly. Okay? Um, And so you have those dynamics happening in a teaching setting, and you you impact it, but you don't completely control it. Because you don't know what's actually going on in the background. You don't know everybody's experiences. You really don't know everybody's motives. You can tell me why you're doing it, and all I know is that's what you really are telling me, but that may not be the real reason you're doing it. But that's what you've told me, but you may be, you may have lied to yourself enough to where that's what you believe you're doing, and you may not even know why you're doing it now. Boy, howdy, we went completely. Okay. So you teach in a way because you don't know all the needs of the people there. And there's some needs that aren't going to be talked about. <gasps> Somebody's been abused. You're probably not going to know that in that Bible study group. You're just not. And you're going to say something and all of a sudden it goes this way and you. How did they even come out? Well, you didn't, you didn't have to know it because the other person co-teaching with you, the Holy Spirit, he knew it. So he took care of it. If you're willing to be in tune with what he's doing, man. So that's what this means. That's the icing, is what's called the, the, the dynamics of teaching, an awareness of the dynamics of teaching. Those three things happening at once. And it's happening as a group and with individuals, each different in each individual. That's what makes teaching so fun. Okay? um what else will we add to our gingerbread teacher eat gotta teach
3: which part put him in the oven eat bacon
1: bacon <laughs> he's, he's he's uh he's baking. Oh wait just a minute He's bacon <laughs> <laughs> Oh man a bacon flavored gingerbread man I
2: in Think about I if you put bacon bacon on you. everything think, now, think if think. you
1: made the gingerbread house and then that you did. put the icing on it and then sprinkled for the roof pieces. Of bacon, of crumbled bacon. I <laughs> <laughs> think better than bacon is more bacon. Yeah. yeah. At Texas State Fair, they have this thing a deep fried cinnamon roll. They take a cinnamon roll, unroll it, put it on a stick, wrap it in bacon, and then deep fry it. <laughs> Yum, man. Serve it.
5: Wow.
1: <laughs> My heavens.
5: Hang on just a second.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anything else we put on our. our <laughs> Our gingerbread teacher. (laughs) I'm going to argue some of these things aren't necessary. They can be improving as a communicator, but a good communicator is really not necessary to be a good teacher. My high school teacher, 11th and 12th grade, David Tucker. Great guy. In fact, in the back of this book, all the, the, the three of us, the three of us writers, were asked to name people who typified what we see, and David's the one of the people I, I mentioned here. I became a believer with David as my Sunday school teacher. This is what I saw on Sunday morning. How are you boys doing today? <laughs> uh, y'all go ahead and turn to page 25 we're going to get started here I want y'all to read that first paragraph is there a word that jumps out of you in that first paragraph <laughs> yeah I thought so it was the one that jumped out at me too
5: okay that was Dave
1: I know y'all have never seen anybody like that but Dave was a horrible communicator but in that class there were six of us guys Uh, um, all six of us have served in church staff in some form or fashion I work at Lifeway you have a guy that's the videographer videographer, used to be for for NAM and then now that was outsourced so he still does it as outsourced and he lives in New York City and he's a church planner in New York City Paul Wynn is his name another one was an IMB missionary to Holland Um, one is a Presbyterian music minister we count him it's okay and then another one was on church staff. He does he does volunteer as a music minister in a small church. But he's also the chairman of their deacon. That was our class. Okay? And that's how he taught every Sunday. So I would argue a good communicator is not required. Now what is required, required is somebody who's willing to love and care for people. Okay? Because every Saturday, David called us. Even on vacation, he would call us. Um, and I knew what time, I knew where I was in the rotation, so I knew what time he would call me. Okay? Every Saturday, I got that call. So um, I'm arguing that some of these things aren't necessary because this trumps almost everything. Loving people trumps almost everything. This also, if you want to deal with, if you want to think about this, if they're loving then this takes care of itself too yes.
5: mm-hmm.
1: okay and so does this
5: because
1: mm-hmm. these two things are connected though, wouldn't it,
0: including many of those such as works well with others disciplined sure. committed listens patient, <clears throat> studious i mean it would
1: it would, it would all those. Yeah, so as much as we may want a good communicator, and I would love to have good communicators. Don't get me wrong. And David worked at becoming a better communicator. He worked at it. I just got him at the start of his practices. Okay. He eventually became a pastor. Can you imagine? We still. But that's okay. He still laughs about what I do. Um, <laughs> um, if you do this, you will work at becoming this. But if you're this, you may never develop that because you don't have to. That fair? Mm-hmm. Because everybody's going to affirm you because you delivered it very well.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So you don't. So what that does. Is this actually works against this?
4: Okay, but how you how, how do you teach somebody that's not humble? For somebody to learn, they're going to have to humble themselves. They oh, are. It, are they not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's you know y'all. That's we're coming from a 25 year atheist until I humbled myself. Yeah. I would have never said through.
1: Yeah. Um, I, um, as a if I, if I, I'm, I'm gonna, I won't use a name, but I'm going to make this description. There's a, there, here's this person who's taught science school for a long time, and they, they are the expert in everything. And there's nothing you can't tell them that will make them a better teacher because they already are the best teacher. Everybody thought of a name suddenly. Okay? You all thought of a name, and it's the person that when you see them come to a leadership training meeting, it's the one that you think, I just wish they'd been sick today.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm, y'all never been there, have you? Uh huh. Yeah. Because you know they're there to disprove what you're saying. Yes. They're there to disprove you.
3: I'm just happy that did all turn around and look this way. Huh? <laughs> I'm just happy that did all turn around and look this
2: yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> <But laughs> it's that yes. way. How. And how do you communicate with people like that like that's our struggle you, there, there's it's almost like a bitterness to that person that they can't um, communicate it's like you know
0: what I mean we do
1: <laughs> remind me to come back to that question because okay. we may address it during the rest of this time Okay, that clock's wrong.
5: <laughs>
1: anyway, I think that there's three fact, three characteristics people we need to try to instill in people, uh, and that's what we're going to look at. The bulk of the, this chapter is on these three things, and it deals with our posture. Posture matters. The first one is abiding. It comes from John fifteen five which says, I know it's in here, I am the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing apart from me. Um, we focus on the idea of abiding. Uh, I have my book somewhere and I put it down. Oh, there it is. The idea of abiding. Um, It is the work of Christ in us. And it's us putting ourselves in a position to get a glimpse of God. That's the main point here. Us getting a glimpse of God. You won't find this in here. Uh, You look on page uh, 26, 27. Um, It's going to focus mostly on John 15. Think about this story. Zacchaeus. Somebody tell me the story of Zacchaeus. Okay? Tell me that story. He
2: was a wee little man. Jesus was coming into town and, and wanted to see him. He climbed the tree. He sure, the tree because he couldn't see
1: over the crowd. The crowd. Okay? Jesus saw him and
2: told him to come
3: down. He to his house for dinner. He probably got rich in a dishonest way.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes.
1: And, yeah. Sold all that. Was, got rid of it. Made all, all. Got restitution on everything. Mm-hmm. Salvation and is this
5: house today.
1: Salvation's here, and he he had supper with Jesus, which to me the most exciting verse in all the Scripture is Revelation 3:20, which said, says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens the door and comes in. I will dine with him, and he with me. Mm-hmm. The Creator of the universe wants to sit down and have supper with me. Think about that." I'm going to sit across the table and he and I are going to have supper together. Okay? It's probably not going to be a hamburger. Probably won't be bacon either. Or fish. <laughs> or fish. Sometimes
4: you bought lunch, you bought fish. Yeah, so you know.
1: Um, here Zacchaeus is. Zacchaeus' story is only included in one place and that's Luke 19. Doesn't include it in the other other Gospels. Only Luke 19 climbs a tree, all he wants is a glimpse of Jesus. That's all he wants. But one glimpse makes you want to have another. Okay? And another. And another. That initial glimpse pushes you to have another glimpse of God. Moses. He'd seen the burning bush. Gets up on the mountain. See He was there 40 days, 40 nights. Um, he gets greedy. God, let me just see your... God said, I'll walk by you and you can see from behind. Okay? Think about it. He'd seen the burning bush and he wanted one more glimpse. It's Moses. I mean, just give me one more glimpse, God. I mean, that's the, that's the that's the quest. We want to see His glory just one more time and just a little bit more than we did last time. The the main point of this this part of the book is that is what abiding is all about. It's putting ourselves in a position to see that glory just one more time. Okay? We can't do that without us intentionally taking action. Zacchaeus had to intentionally climb that tree. Okay? Um, it, didn't, it didn't swoop down and pick him up and pull him into the tree. He had to make a conscious decision. For me to be in the right position to see Jesus, I've got to climb that tree. And so he picked a, he had a strategy in place so that he could be in the right position to just catch a glimpse that to me defines what abiding is about where we just catch a glimpse the way we motivate folks to want to catch that glimpse is they've got to see the glimpse the first time you got to see it the first time I love Major League Baseball unfortunately I'm a Texas Ranger fan I've seen more bad baseball than I have good baseball but I've been to enough games where at least there have been some times where we won a game so I have a jersey that I wear that's never been to a game where the Rangers lost I have two jerseys the other one's been to some games the Rangers have lost Um, and so I've seen a Ranger game every year since 72 when they started except for two years I went this year, uh, I took my mother-in-law, because it was dollar dog night. (laughs) And then, the next night, my my son was in town, and we did father-son night. So we went back-to-back nights. What keeps me going back is there may be the chance that tonight we win again. (laughs) Okay? I just want a glimpse that maybe we'll win. That's why I go back because I've been there before when they won, that's a lot of fun. Okay? That's why I keep going back. Why do I keep going back to put myself in a position to abide in Christ? So once again, I can have just one more glimpse. But what drives me to do it is I've seen the glimpse once. Okay? So our responsibility is to help help them get in a position to see the glimpse. And they only have to see it once to move them forward to do it again. Why do folks go back to the place that, where they accepted
2: Christ? that.
1: You want that glimpse again. Um, I did youth ministry for 13 years. And it always fascinated me when folks said, Hey, Dwayne, we, need, we ought to take our teenagers to this camp. If I, did, uh, I drilled down enough, what I eventually found out was that was the place where they became a believer or something significant happened, and they wanted that for their kids. And they thought that maybe it was the location. <laughs> it's not. I mean, the, the, the place where I accepted Christ, um, which I said earlier, is just about five feet from where my dad actually died. Um, all that's there now, from is is a big old bookcase with my dad's model cars in it. Dad sold auto parts for sixty years, and so his prize is this race car signed by John Force, and it's sitting. There, I'm thinking. You desecrated a place important to me, but if you were, John Force is okay by me. If you're a racing fan, you understand. Uh, Drag racing. But um, we want to go back for that same glimpse again and make it fresh. That's what drives us to do it. Well, that's what we we see here. Um, Now think about this. Think about the dangers of trying to teach without abiding in Christ. That's a question that's on page 27. 27? Mm
5: -hmm.
1: Yeah. What's the dangers of us trying to do what we do without Christ? Because understand, you can teach a Bible study group and be very comfortable and be recognized for it if you do the mechanics right. Okay? If you know the mechanics, you can do it, and folks will pat you on your back and not have Christ abiding in you. It's content you're teaching okay you can do that but what are the dangers of that this is where you tell talk
2: i think you come across as not being um genuine
1: so that we didn't put this up here i'm going to add this word authentic You lose
3: that. I can't actually, uh, if you're able to do that, pick it back on your back, and then you actually lose your humility. If you think, "Oh, I'm wonderful,"
1: mm-hmm. so you lose this. Which, if you lose this, it impacts that because you love yourself more than you do other people, and you'll see it.
2: Would there be a risk of you uh, teaching something um, non biblical or you just sort of going off on some big tangent and not being part of what's even in the Bible? If you're not abiding in Christ, if you're just sort of going on your Uh own strength and and there's something you thought sounded good and it's not necessarily in the Bible, but you thought maybe it was because you haven't really been paying attention kind of thing?
1: you think of an example? I
2: know sometimes when people say we've always done it this way, but there's not really a biblical reason for it, or
0: like.
1: Um, Here, here's an interesting case study for you. Here's an example. This research was done on, on, on reading the prodigal son story. You read The Prodigal Son, you, ha- you have them read it, and then you ask them, give me the details, okay? Give me the details. They did it in Western cultures, like United States, Canada, and then they also did the exact same thing in, in folks in Russia and former Soviet countries. Here's the two details that are v- different in both stories. For the, those who are, we'll call them Western or American, they always point to him squandering his stuff. He blew all his money. He was irresponsible with his money. He kind of deserved to be in this pigsty. But they'll tell that part of the story. Those in former Soviet blocs, they'll point out there was a famine and that caused him, caused him to then have to resort to working in the pigsty. They won't mention that he squandered the money they'll only mention the famine. And in the United States, we won't even mention the famine.
5: Hmm.
1: It's cultural. <coughs>
5: um,
1: and so that impacts how you how you then view the rest of the story. But if you stop and ask, am I really seeing this right? Then he'll show you what the real issues are and we'll get tied up on that it was at the famine or it was at the money the issue, and forget that there's a second brother who's upset and that's really where the story is going it's not as much about the prodigal returning as the, the real prodigal is the one over here who didn't celebrate and that's who he was telling the story about because the context because the Pharisees got mad after that because they realized oh we're this one and he wasn't talking to believers in that context he was talking to another group so we, we forget that part. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's an, that could be an example where we focus on a minor thing and not on a major thing.
3: <coughs> I think, in a, a large way, it's metaphorical. I mean, uh, by that, he's, yes, he squandered his resources, he blew his life, but the fact that he was blowing his life is the important thing. It's, it's not the money in your pocket or the food in your stomach. Is that you're wasting your life, and
1: what's it going to account for? Yeah, the the question is, which thing, which thing facilitated him being in the pigsty? Was it him blowing his money, or was it the famine? So that, and there's a debate on that, wow. theological standpoint. Which one of those is the, the real culprit? Because um, if there was if there wasn't a famine, you could overcome blowing your money, because then you could make money. But there was no way to make the money. So your your cultural experience then speaks to that. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's just kind of a fascinating thing.
0: I'm gonna come back to her original point too, because it kind of sticks out to me that if somebody's not abiding, then that's a great place for heresies to be yeah. yep. to yeah. creep in. Uh, you know, we're getting the the prosperity gospels that are out there and you know when you read the Bible, you know, it's our privilege to suffer like Christ and suffer for Christ, mm-hmm. not not being a mansion sort of thing. So, you know, to have that expectation, you know, where you're feeding your self image because you're not abiding in Christ, that's where I believe that, that yeah. point is taken. Yeah.
2: If you're not abiding, you're not seeing the glory of God in the story, you're seeing the man centered that can come into the morality and of yeah. what
1: God yeah. did for us. So. Well it's just like So then Job, if you're just reading Job and you're looking at it the way, most folks will characterize Job as how do you deal with suffering. But when, but God never gives an answer about the suffering part in Job. What he does tell him is you keep trusting me. Mm -hmm. I'm of the opinion, the more I've studied Job, and the older I've got, that the real purpose of Job, the real message of Job is we have faith in God no matter what's going on. And it doesn't matter if you're suffering or not. You still have to have faith in God. It just doesn't matter. And Job's, a, Job's trying to be taught that lesson.
4: But Jesus said we will be so.
1: Yeah, because the question then is, because Job repented, but he's already said he wasn't guilty of the sin. Well, what what did he repent of? He repented of not continuing to trust God when things weren't going the way he thought they should. So, it's about keeping your trust in God. It's also
0: a great lesson about poor counsel among men, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for
1: i always thought I would mm-hmm. love right. after that after that was over and everything, don't you know Job and his friends, he just sat down and said, You guys are the no <laughs> worthless. <laughs> <God.">
5: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I'm washing my hands of you. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a big party. Except for you. <laughs>
5: um,
1: I think I read see it, the, in
2: one of my Bible in the Message Bible or something, it said a note about that. Is it the thing where when we go to our friends that are suffering we are not supposed to say anything we're just supposed to be there for them that's our way what we're supposed to do
1: you
2: know well
1: that's been one we can't
2: we can't fix it no we can't we got god's got to fix it we just got to be there for
1: them. um i have a friend who's dealing with cancer she's uh, been fighting it now for a long time and her her two children are senior, they twins, are seniors in high school. She keeps a list of of insensitive things said to her by people, who mean well, but they're insensitive. Okay. Um. And she and I've had some interesting conversations about some of those things. Um. Uh, anything you need, let me know okay well what I need is this well I didn't mean that Mad. <laughs> um, what I meant was do you need some do you need me to run by get you a hamburger or something no God know that what I really need is for you to take me and sit with me while I'm having my treatment mm-hmm. well that takes time but anyway abiding is that first characteristic that first posture second one is kneeling Um, I'm gonna give you some passages, you can just list these, okay? Because this is this is on the section on kneeling is on it begins on page 31, but these passages I'm about to share with you are not listed. These are all from Nehemiah. When I was studying this, I went and read through Nehemiah to see how many different times I found out him, him find him praying. Okay? Nehemiah 1:4. He heard about the walls and he immediately prayed. 2 4. Um, I can't read my own writing. That's pretty bad. Oh, that's when the king asks him, why, she, why are you sad? He says a prayer, then he responds. So he prays before he responds. In 4 4 and 4 9, he's facing opposition and he prays, God, what do I do about it? In 6-9, um, he prays for strength. In six fourteen, he prays for justice. In 9-1, he prays... Um, he fasted in preparation, excuse me. But also in 3 14, 22, and 31, He simply asked God to remember him. After my time is done here, don't forget me, God. Which is really a prayer. So we think of Nehemiah as this great leader, but what we don't realize is the number of times prayer is mentioned in the book of Jesus. Well,
4: look at how many times Jesus prayed. Oh, yeah. He prayed all the major things for sure. And then he he was always looking for for uh, guidance from God. Sure.
1: And understand, if Jesus was a son of God, and he was, not if, since he was a son of God, and he needed prayer, there's a probability I do too. Because no, I'm yeah, not qualified to be considered <laughs> otherwise. But I share those because most folks think of Nehemiah as like the ultimate leader. But throughout all these points in his life, you see prayer as a major part of who he is and what he's about. Um, Michael Kelly suggests there's three ways, three ways to, to, to develop prayer this is on page 30 through 32 and that's by doing it regularly being specific and collectively regular specific and collectively here's what i ask you to do get with a partner and i want you to on page 32 there's questions which one is the easiest which one requires the most work regular specific or collective okay which one of those three things is the easiest and which one requires the most work? You and your partner discuss those two those two questions. You see those questions on page 32? Okay? You and your partner discuss your answers to those two those questions. They're on the bottom half of page 32. Which of these three prayer actions is easiest to maintain, explain, which requires the most work? You got four minutes to do that with each other. With okay, would somebody <laughs> would somebody just share one insight you gained from that conversation? Just one insight you gained from that conversation with your partner. Just one insight. Share it with the rest of us. i got
0: one. That, that ministry can be very challenging to a prayer life, being able to oh, be finding the time to do yeah. it.
1: Mm-hmm. Without question.
2: I think you said something you're telling your man... The, oh, I can't pray. I can't pray, and you just said, just let let, just pray, just
4: do it, quit. like he's your best
2: friend. Just do it. No, there's there's no wrong way. way to do it. Right.
5: That's what
4: I said. There's no stupid prayer.
5: That's
2: what I tell my kids in <laughs> yeah. my class in Sunday school because sometimes I'll yeah. say does somebody, "Want to pray today?" No. no. But and then they're like, "Well, I don't know how." Well, there's no right or wrong way.
1: You, you know, we well, you know what. I'm gonna. Can I get on the soapbox for a minute? <laughs> In a way, when a child says, I don't know how to pray, what they're really saying is, I've never seen mom and dad do it. Mm
4: -hmm. Some of the
3: best
1: prayers I've heard lately came from five-year-olds in Mm -hmm. our kindergarten. But you you see what I'm saying? Parents don't pray. They they pray rote prayers. But that child knows it's a memorized prayer. It's not a real prayer. It's not a heart prayer. Right. that makes sense? It's real, but it's not a heart prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we, I'm we off st- of it now. <laughs> <laughs> we say there's hold hands. hands and but you think about it's it. It's amazing it.
2: the ones that hadn't pr- ever prayed. Yeah. And, and every Sunday, you know, there's a new one. They'll say one word or yeah. two words, you know, because they're more comfortable doing yes. it. The more you do it, they'll yes. get more But
1: you think about how ministry... Gets in the way of us having quality prayer time. Mm. It just does. Um, like the pastor said this, this, uh, that, that earlier in, in service, uh, "We've we'll been Christians too long, maybe."
4: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that or that we we haven't learned to say no to some things, mm-hmm. um, which will really be funny when we get to the next conversation. But, but
2: go ahead. Oh, also we talked about this having this time and without distraction and interruptions mm-hmm. and. You know, who says we have to do it at 6 o'clock every morning at the same time or, 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 or at a specific time? Or, and then, you know, you do these little flash prayers during the day. I mean, what's, you know, we, we look at those things and say, is it really meaningful? Is it, does he hear that and all this stuff? I would essentially say, yes, God hearing mm-hmm. everything I say. But, you know, just sometimes we think if we just don't sit down at a specific time without interruptions, it's not meaningful. That our prayers are not meaningful. And of course, we don't spend that time or just, you know,
1: happens with that. Well, you think about it. Nehemiah. Did he go that day thinking he's going to have that conversation with the king? The king says, why are you so sad? What's going on? Nehemiah says a prayer. You know, the prayer would be, Lord, let me get out of this. Tell me, let me say what I say. Give me, whatever it was. But it was just like that. He so said, I said a prayer. So you, it's that kind of prayer. That you're talking about well, well I, this happened. I just said a quick prayer. Uh, that's what Nehemiah did. So it's an example of that's okay. We can do that. Um, can pray all
2: that.
5: You
1: just think about how important it is for us to be in that kneeling posture. We talked about being aware, being aware of the dynamics of teaching. Where Holy Spirit's talking, about it, and how you become aware is by being someone who's in a, you know posture of kneeling while you're teaching even though you may be standing yeah
5: <laughs>
1: okay so think about it last one that michael kelly talks about is a posture of service um, he gives some, some ideas here now i want to point to a verse first um, timothy chapter 3 Verse 13, and it's the end of the qualifications of a deacon. Think about this. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves. So it's about their reputation. And gain boldness in the truth that is in Christ Jesus. So, they gain a good reputation, so here's their, here, they've served, and by serving they gain a good reputation. But at the same time, they're also gaining boldness in the Gospel. Being able to share it with more confidence. And it happened by them serving, but it doesn't say it happened by them... It doesn't specify how they served. that make sense? If you served in Christ's name... Then that gave you a new boldness. You follow that? That's kind of how that verse reads. Not kinda. That is how that verse reads. Now, I don't know which one comes first. The stand, if the good standing, because that opens a the door, then you're more bold to share with somebody. Or if you have, if you've served and by serving, that opens the door for you to share, and then that then gives you a quality reputation with that person because now they see authenticity. We don't I don't know which one is those. It is, it may be both of them. It may be that as you're serving, it gives you this reputation and boldness that works together somehow in God's economy that moves you forward. I don't know which one of those it is. It makes sense?
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Once again, more coffee. I want you to look on page 49 a different chapter page 49 you see a list bulleted list let me tell you how that list came about teaching a group of men and uh, there were two guys who all the classes we had in that church were co-ed classes and these two guys their wives taught preschool they weren't about to go into preschool class and help their wives they didn't even change their own kids diapers they're not going to change somebody else's okay they're not going to do it so they wanted a men's class so they approached me i i helped them get a men's class started the first sunday we met it was those two guys and a third guy they had our rules they were, here's our rules for our class they three rules number one we're going to study the Bible. It's not going to be about who won the football games. Or, but it's about the Bible. That's, we, can, we, we can talk about that outside of this. But let's dedicate this time to the Bible.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Number two is we're not going to skip hard stuff. If we come to a passage that's uncomfortable, then let's be uncomfortable. We're just not going to skip it. Let's deal with it, be honest about it, and let's move forward. Those are
4: my favorite ones. Yeah, and here's the third the rule.
1: The ones the preacher don't want to talk about. Yeah, here's their third rule. No class parties. If we wanted to be with that person, we would have already invited them to lunch. So don't make us do that as a group. Okay. So they, that group never had a class party. One of them owned a restaurant. And so he said, hey, this Tuesday, let's come rush over. Uh, time is over at 1.30. Let's meet at 1.30. And let's talk about what we need to do to grow this class. So we go and we're, we're cutting onion rings because for whatever reason, Tuesday nights was the biggest night for onion rings. <laughs> so we cut onion rings and talked and we had a, a, a notepad and we would write our list. The list was the shortest. So each week we would come back. The next week we came back. And remember, we never had a class party, but we met every Tuesday at 1.30 and had hamburgers, but no class parties. <laughs> and we would cut cut our onion rings and we would talk about the actions that we needed to take to be successful as a group. The list was as short as seven and as long as 25. We did this for months. Okay? I didn't mind. I got a free hamburger. And fry, and and not fry, and onion rings that I knew what was in them because I made them. Okay? And this is the list that we eventually settled on. Now look through that list. You can add to it. You can subtract from it. One of my favorite things that they wanted on their list, (laughs) build relationships within the group, comma, or in parentheses. Use fellowships if you can't do it any other way. Um, But you have their list of 12. Look through that list and see how much service is involved in that list.
4: I see you think
2: it's not service what was your question?
1: Look in that list on page forty nine and see what see if there's um, identify the things on the list that are that that um, involve service. Oh. Let me reword it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you see there that's not <laughs> no, equal? I mean, I mean, yes. So that's why this posture of service is so important. So here's a question. How do we create that climate? How do we create that climate? Uh, first of all, we got to be serving ourselves. We're the leader. We need to be serving. I already mentioned once a quarter, excuse me, once a quarter, once a month, I'll also work extended sessions. The folks in the class that I lead, the 50-year-olds, they can't tell me, if I say to them, hey, we, we have a spot open this week and I need somebody to work with me in extended session, would you do it? They really can't tell me no because they know at 11 o'clock <coughs> I'm teaching a group of three-year-olds. What are they going to say to that? Do you follow me? But I'm asking them to not, hey, they've got a hole over here, can you go do it? I'm saying they've got a hole over here. I'm helping. Can you help me do it? That's a whole different ballgame. Let's go do this together. Um, we have to be doing it. Number two, we have to celebrate it. When service takes place, we need to celebrate that service. Whatever it is. could be as simple as just letting them tell the story and then affirming them for doing it. We celebrate it. We also create the expectation that you serve. Um, Some of that is how we frame something. My group, because we have two Sunday schools, right? So you have Sunday school at 8, then you have worship, then you have another Sunday school time at 11. Somebody else is using my room at 11. At 8 o'clock, understand I say this, everybody in that classroom is going to be drinking coffee. Okay. it's 8 o'clock everybody in there is drinking coffee so when we get done guess what's sitting next to almost every chair in that classroom coffee, coffee cup because we just don't pick them up it's just who we are so there's a person in my group <laughs> whose responsibility is to go through and pick up all the cups now I could when I recruited him I could say you know Wayne um, we don't want the next group to think we're slobs. So can you pick up these cups for us at the end of every class? I could say it that way, okay? But by me saying that way, I'm not sharing an expectation. My expectation is we don't want to be slobs. Suppose I said to Wayne, "Which is what it is." And Wayne's not his name. Wayne, in the in the next hour, they may have guests who come to that group we want to make sure we remove any barrier from our class that could get in the way of a guest in this next hour would you mind taking on the responsibility of of removing the cups and picking up stuff so that when that next group comes in if they have a guest that guest thinks that they cared enough to get that room cleaned i've tied it to the purpose which is reaching people it's not about we, gotta, we don't want to be slobs. It's about we want to help that next class succeed. Okay? That's a whole different ballgame. It is not uncommon if this person, we'll call him Wayne, if Wayne is going to be out, for him to text me and say, listen, I'm going to be out this Sunday, but I've asked so-and-so to pick up all the cups. What if you missed one week? So what? He doesn't miss a week. He gets them picked up. Okay? So that's an important reality. That's what I mean by you expect it. And it's how you cast it. Um, That also means you support it. Um, If you're going to encourage folks to serve, do things, then you have to find ways to support them through prayer, other things like that. Some kind of support system for helping them do it. Here's an here's, here's a case in point. We're gonna have this event that we do where we're gonna go serve on this Saturday. And after that, on that next Sunday, we need to make sure that our count cal- that calendar is a is a light day. We're already asking them to give it their Sunday. Not long ago, this happened, it wasn't in my class, thank goodness. But th- we were asked th- the the church asked a group to do something on Saturday. And the very next day was worship and a church-wide event that lasted till 4 o'clock. Mm. So you asked them to give up Saturday from 8 to 2 and then to be at the church from, for some of them, 8 to 4. Wow. That doesn't support that. If it had been just a week between the two, do you follow me? Mm-hmm. That would have been more supportive to encourage it to happen because then you're being aware of their needs with family and other things. That's what I mean by support. Planning, scheduling, those kind of things. We're almost out of time, so I want us to think about this. We've mentioned three things. They are number one. Abiding. Kneeling. 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 Serving. Serving. I want you to think about those three things. Which one are those, and you're going to have to share this out loud. Which one of those things do you need to, to work on the most in your life? And what one action will you take to work on it? That's what you need to think about. Okay? We have just a few minutes. Your question again was, do you remember your question?
2: Yeah, we have...
1: How do you foster that?
2: Yes. Someone who is not a good communicator and don't, um, you know, like we talked
1: about... Or they're they're a good presenter. Mm And
2: they've been doing it for X amount of years and they know more than anybody and everything you do is wrong and their way is the
1: only way. Yeah, and the reason they come is to let you know where you're yes. wrong. Um, everybody had a name, just fla- a pit to yeah. face just flashed through your or mind. Or the preacher.
2: preacher, you know, that type of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. First of all, you're going to have to pray for wisdom. Second of all, This is, this is the hardest one for me. i got to find out why they feel that way. Because there's probably behind it, this is not always true, but in general, behind it there's a scar they're hiding. Okay? And the, the reason you're always right is so that nobody will know that at one time you were wrong. Um. You see this in multiple ways in life. Um, let me think of something I could pick on
0: you. pick on me?
1: No, something, an issue. Oh, okay. An issue.
3: Uh... We
1: need to start a ministry. Somebody needs to get busy doing that. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, case in someone, someone is very adamant to the far extreme about abortion. Back, uh, abortion right. Uh, 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 abortion, anti-abortion. Pro-life. Not so much that they believe it but everything revolves around that Um, I I have a a friend that's that way but he paid for an abortion when he was in high school so the reason he's really that that adamant about it is not so much that he's anti-abortion he's trying to deal with the guilt he still feels and he can't forgive himself now that's oversimplification but you see that um I wouldn't suggest killing with kindness.
3: <laughs> well, we yeah, do yeah. that
1: too. But some, you know, the other part is you got to be careful. You're not facilitating it even more.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say. I I think from from and this kind of comes out of my background and like we're talking about. Sometimes there's a something that went on and, and, uh, and I, I grew up in a home with a father who was a functioning alcoholic. guess you say. He was a uh, weekend drunk and uh, and and for the family and all that, but it, it's, it just seemed like our our family life was always out of control. So that I felt like I had to control everything because I was scared of uh, uh, and and so kind of kind of developed I guess almost that I got I got to know everything because I don't want to be like like people are in a and stupor. And, and I say all that, say, thank God my father's not like that. He's still alive and he uh, changed his life and all that. But out of that and working through that, one of the things that I do with people that I say, and I mean this because I know what an uh, arrogant knothead I used to be <laughs> is that uh, to, to, I tell people, I say, you know, I need people in my life that'll tell me what i need to hear not what i want to hear amen and so and and, and I, that's how those people love me if they tell me what amen. i need to hear i want to hear and i really love you so I, you know that's why i want to talk to you about this and just to tell you and, and if you take that approach it may soften it up some um uh, probably won't be accepted real good at first because people like me you know used to get defensive but but when you realize somebody really cares about you and and you're saying i'm i'm giving you permission to do the same thing to me then it kind of softens it up and and eventually you can get in your ear and maybe maybe you know they'll say well well, what could help with this you know
1: a piece of that too along those same lines is is you being able to articulate why. Which means you've got to be a good student. Um, That's why purpose is so important. Um, I I don't collect prayer requests at the beginning of my class. Now, I had to fight that at the beginning of every class I've taught. You don't care about prayer? No, I do care about prayer. But for some of you in this group, the only time you're gonna open your Bible is when we're in you together. And so let's focus on the Bible. We'll get prayer at the end. What happens then is they still give me the request, they just do it faster because they're afraid somebody's gonna get their seat.
5: That
1: makes sense. Yeah. And so then I'll say this and this is what we're doing. Now there's a rule I have, too, when it comes to prayer. There's the second Sunday of every month. We don't pray for any physical needs. We only pray for lost people. And if someone brings up a physical need, I'll stop them and say, well, is that a lost person? Well, no, that's my grandmother. Well, I appreciate that. Why don't you send that to us as an email? But right now what we're we're focusing on is lost people. Here's my list of people. Now tell me the names of people you're praying for who are lost. Who are We use the phrase unchurched or unaffiliated. Um, so tell me who those people are so we can pray for them as a group well I, I don't have anybody like that ok well let's, let's, maybe next time maybe next month you'll have some names you can put on our list um, I'm adamant about that now there's somebody who doesn't like that but understand how I say this my purpose then it's not about their grandmother being well it's about somebody's eternal destiny in, in the balance that's a, and I can explain that purpose and why we do that. Because everybody in that group needs to be praying for somebody who's, who they know is unchurched and affiliated. And those who say they don't know anybody, they need to get out and talk to their neighbors. Both of my neighbors are on my list because they've told me they're lost. So I know that. Um, they need to get out and talk to um, there is a strange way that God somehow and sometimes brings humility to the situation in time and we just have to wait for Him to do it. Um, one of the famous quotes of, of uh, Ventura, the body, uh, who was the governor of Minnesota. Uh, Jesse was that religion's okay for people who need a crutch to get through life. I'm a man, I don't need a crutch. <laughs> well, that may be true today, but one day it won't be true. You just haven't found that yet. Because there will be a day when something busts you and you don't know the answer to it. So, um, you better be ready for that. Um, that's when we have the opportunity to be kind and compassionate and not, hey, I told you. But then step in and say, listen, uh, uh, let's work through this together. Uh, and it gives us the opportunity to model the humility that we've been talking about up here, the compassion. It takes a lot of prayer, too, for us. Lord, help me to love that person. Uh, I've been in situations where my, my temptation is to pray Lord, get them out of here. As opposed to Lord, help me understand them and help me deal with that. There's a, there's a, there is a responsibility we have to minister to the people that are in our lives, even the jerks. Um, and I don't know what else to call them. Okay, uh, even those people. But when we do that, we need to make sure first of all we're not the jerk in return, because we can be.
2: And said, "What is it to um, pray, Lord? Please let me use Your words and not my own. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Let me use Your words." Yes. Yeah. Does that help? Does that get to your question, yes. all Al- Al- some oh. Absolutely. Um,
1: Sometimes it's good to remember the, the rod in your eye. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. When I was younger, I probably said and did some stupid things. Andrew I'm Redwood. still capable but as you get older those experiences there's times when you've got to let the mule kick you for you to understand it hurts when the mule kicks you um, and that takes time there's a book called um, Mastering Leadership it's a, the last two chapters are the strangest chapters you ever read in your life and there's, there's parts of it that are, that are kind of arrogant we're the only ones that do this it has a, it has a test on leadership but one of the things they say is you don't get your stride as a leader until you're in your 60s because you don't have the character to do it. You may know the nuts and bolts, but you don't have the character equity to do it until you're in your 60s. Moses didn't become a leader until he was 80 and Aaron was 83 or four. He was older than Moses. Um, Charleston Heston does not do credit to what Moses. I mean, he wasn't that young, okay? But all their research points to you, we don't have the character development yet to really be that leader until we get to that point. What's funny is that's when we're starting to retire, but that's when we're hitting our peak as a leader. So it's kind of an interesting thing.
4: God can use us after we retire. Yeah.
1: Like that's yeah, probably we don't, have,
4: we, don't do, we don't do jobs anymore. Probably our the job best job. Is him.
1: Yeah, our, probably yeah. the best job we do then. Absolutely. Uh, my father-in-law retired twice, and then my mother-in-law. He he not after second retirement he was at home, and my mother-in-law retired within two weeks. He got a job. <laughs> and what he did the last 15 years of his life, he worked for a funeral home. And that funeral home, if you did a funeral with them, they provided grief care. And my father-in-law coordinated all their grief care for 15 years in the Dallas area. You think of the number of people that, he, that went through grief care. At his funeral, I can't tell you how many people were there who were there because they went through grief care that he led. Wow. He would not have been able to do that when he was 40. Mm-hmm. But he could when he was 65.
4: Well, I retired once. I ain't retired.
1: Yeah.
4: That's <laughs> it. But anyway,
1: thank you for your time. I thank appreciate you. it. Uh, very much. Thank
5: you.